Hello and welcome to Across the River, a podcast that weaves together death and dying, tarot, and witchcraft. I'm Rebecca. And I'm Sarah. We are not experts of any kind, simply two witches who like to think and talk about death, dying, and divination. We invite you to journey with us across the river. We are recording across the river in Toronto, Ontario, also known as Tecoronto. The land that holds this city is and has been for millennia a home to many diverse First Nations and Indigenous Inuit and Métis peoples, including the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Anishinaabe, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat peoples. The land teaches us about the cycles of birth, death, decay, and rebirth. We're grateful for the opportunity to live in and learn from this land. Okay, we are rolling. All right. Well, happy Lunasa. Happy Lunasa. It's a full moon today. I know, it's a full super moon, apparently, Mm. which... How do you feel about the designation supermoon? Um, I think it's a little like, I mean, like the super and micro thing seems a bit mean. I know, like micro is is a little rude. <laughs> Just a little bit. <laughs> but I will say I love a supermoon in terms of like, oh, they're so beautiful to yes, look at. Yes, <laughs> they are so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe we're going to have a blue moon at the end of the month. We are. There are going to be two full moons in August. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this full moon is in Aquarius, and we're in Leo season. And I don't usually get astrology e, but I really like that we are expressing ourselves today yes. for the collective. That feels like very like Leo and Aquarius to me. I am going to take your word for that because my <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, like in terms of my astrology knowledge. I am a, I, I'm a bad witch when it comes to astrology. I don't know my way around as much as I could, but um, <laughs> but I definitely feel like a full moon on one of the one of the days of the wheel of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, the first harvest is a great time to be talking about our topic today, which is intuition intuition at last yes (laughs) oh my gosh we tried to record this a couple of times and both were not great uh this episode did not want to happen so let's fingers crossed all of the fingers crossed that today is the day uh it feels like it it feels like it's time yeah um and i don't know about you but i kind of like one of the things that we wanted to go into today especially was intuition as to how it relates to death work Mm -hmm. and we had intended to do that the first time we recorded this and we kind of touched on it very briefly but we didn't get in depth and uh, it feels nice to have a radio and maybe try and tackle that a little bit more yeah I agree Um, especially because um, that's an area where probably a great many people are going to be called upon to connect with their intuition Mm -hmm. whether they have any kind of spiritual practice that that is intended to connect with intuition or not Mm -hmm. um you know this is something that that lots of people are going to be called upon to do Mm -hmm. and so um i think we wanted to talk a little bit today about how we find intuition shows up when we're let's say working with a hospice client Mm -hmm. or thinking about doing that kind of work Mm -hmm. um 
maybe as well as a little bit more broadly. I think you know, a little more broadly like, as well. Like, what do we mean when we talk about intuition? Mm-hmm. I think that is an excellent place to start. Um, Rebecca, what is your kind of working definition of intuition? <laughs> this is such a great question. Um, I knew that we that that we were going to like talk about this, and I I went so far as to like look up the definition this morning ah. because I find see what you think of this. I don't know. I find intuition a little bit hard to define to pin down definitely i think that's kind of part of its essence is that it's very fluid yeah it's very fluid um which i think is going to be relevant like when we come to our tarot cards and like the suits that we're working with but um but yeah i I was trying to think this morning about how I would describe intuition or how I would describe the experience of using intuition. You know, dictionary definition is something like, it's, it's like knowing something without having to reason about it okay. or, or, or do a lot of like rationalization or processing. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. That yeah. feels like that's a part of it for sure. I think that's a part of it. I think that that points to something that feels right to me about what intuition is not, which is like, it's not the process of reasoning your way through mm-hmm. to a, a situation to arrive at an answer, right? Like it's not, it's not the pros and cons list. It's not the polling your family and friends about what you should do. Like it's, it's something a little bit more, um, the word instinctive came up in some of these de- definitions that I was looking at. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, that feeling that we're talking about when someone says, I just had a gut feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. A gut feeling that I think is also... How do I want to say this? I mean, the gut feeling is definitely, I think, the start of where intuition uh, comes from, but it feels like more than that, too. I agree. It feels like a wise knowing of some kind that I think it's just a little bit tricky where I think, yes, gut feeling is a part of it, but I think sometimes we mistake gut feelings for intuition when they may just be our nervous system responding to something. Yeah. Um, whether that's true or not. So intuition feels to me like, Yes, exactly. That instinctive gut knowing, but like there's something behind it. Like some wisdom that is thought through, but we just haven't done that in our rational consciousness. Does that make sense? That makes a lot of sense. I kind of think for myself, I sort of think of intuition as being... There is so much in our subconscious that we are not fully aware of we're taking in all kinds of information that we're not necessarily consciously processing and I think to me intuition is that wise voice of the subconscious that's taking all that information and doing all of that processing not in the way that we think of it consciously but um, and then giving us a very Sometimes very loud, but sometimes very subtle answer. Yeah. 
I really like how you've put all of that. Um, and I really like that you've brought in that idea that we're taking in and processing information all the time in all kinds of different ways. And in some ways, intuition is not necessarily a mystical experience. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think it has its roots. I, I, when I was looking it up this morning, the, the original usage comes from Latin and it did have theological connotations. So it does have, I think, a reasonable and strong connection to sort of spiritual questions. Mm-hmm. But it can also be a matter of your brain, which is an astounding processor of information in ways that we don't even understand all the way. Sometimes that gut feeling is the result of, as you said, information that has come into your brain and been processed and is giving you some kind of important signal, whether it be a survival signal or something else, and that we have honed over millennia of evolution the ability to receive that knowledge Mm -hmm. in a way that doesn't necessarily involve us thinking about it first. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think where the fun mystical aspect can come in, though, is that I don't know if, uh, I, I suspect maybe you do believe this as well, but I don't think all of that information is simply like physical sensory information. I think we're also getting messages from something a little less tangible. Yeah. This is an interesting question to me about this because that's my experience. You know, my experience is that sometimes the information does seem to be coming from um, a source that is not immediately identifiable in Mm. my environment, let's say. Um, I'm thinking about sometimes that I've been scrying for people and have seen something and shared it with whoever I was reading for and it had some kind of pertinence to them that was not indicated really by yes. by any clues that I was aware of. Mm-hmm. So I don't I I've had experiences such that it really does not seem likely to me that they were just me kind of picking up and processing information on a subconscious level. Mm-hmm. Um, what I guess I do want to offer is that even if, I don't know how many listeners we would have for whom this would be the case, but maybe even if, you know, your experience of the world or your worldview is such that the mystical, that sort of more spiritual aspect of intuition doesn't connect with you, you probably are still intuitive mm-hmm. in other ways. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's one of the beauties of intuition is that it really is, it is available to, to all of us. And it is, it is a, um, a capacity that we can start to learn to listen to and to develop. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to, I kind of want to have, I find I want to have both of those aspects in the conversation, like the spiritual one where maybe we're engaging in certain practices to, to create a, a way for those messages to come through. And then also the one that maybe feels more grounded in sensory information. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but maybe right now I want to pick up something that you were talking about earlier, which is differentiating intuition and wisdom from mm-hmm. perhaps other kinds of information that may be being offered to us by our brains and our nervous systems. 
Yes. So what, for instance, in my own self, sometimes I don't quite know if what I'm feeling is intuition or anxiety. That's a huge one for me as well. How do you, if you don't mind sharing, like how, what are some ways that you work with that? Hmm. Yeah. So, um, that actually kind of really brings up for me one of the cards that I pulled for today. Awesome. Um, last time we did this, I had the queen of cups and I felt like this was going to be a different episode. So mm-hmm. I pulled a different card. Uh, and I got the Queen of Swords. Oh, very different queen. <laughs> <laughs> very, very different queen. Not one that one might immediately um, kind of uh, posit as an intuition card. But there's something really interesting going on with the Queen of Swords. And I have pulled that this queen around intuition before. So the card I have today is from the Crow Tarot, which you have previously... I do love that tarot deck. Oh, me too. It's been all I've been reading from lately. And uh, on a throne sits a crow, and they have one wing kind of folded in front of them, Mm. um, sort of indicating a bit of a boundary. Mm -hmm. But then they have another wing um, extended out, almost in welcome. And... So when it comes to anxiety specifically, that's a very swords energy to me. Yeah. Uh, uh, swords being kind of the cards of the mind. Um, I think they can extend beyond that, but th- that's definitely kind of where and they're And I rooted. know when I am in anxiety, mm-hmm. I tend to pull swords. Yes. Sometimes ludicrously so. I'm like, I really? Know. Still? <laughs> More swords? <laughs> Yeah. Oh my gosh. So it's funny because like I think the suit the ace to ten I find to be very like in the nitty gritty of it, and then by the time we reach the queen, by the time we reach the uh, court cards in general, um, but especially by the time we reach the king and the queen, we have kind of mastered that energy a little bit and we're able to utilize it a little bit more because um, our brains can do all sorts of nasty things to us, but they're also very useful tools. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm seeing this as very much a kind of welcoming in of all of the thoughts that you're having and kind of very um, purposefully and intentionally listening to what is what your brain, um, your anxiety brain is trying to tell you while also holding that boundary of like, this may not be the truth. Um, what that looks like in practice for me is so one of the areas where I'm always trying to parse yeah my intuition from the noise that might be going on is during a tarot reading mm-hmm. um, and one of the most useful tools to me was actually something that was taught to me by my tarot teacher Lindsay Mack who I think I've mentioned before mm-hmm. they um, do a check-in before every single reading and in that check-in all all you need to do really is just be like take a pause and name what is happening with you in that moment. I am coming to this deck anxious. I am coming to this deck tired. I am coming to this deck, you know, whatever it happens to be. And really checking, yeah, just checking in with yourself, naming what's there, and then kind of saying, okay, these are all here. 
that's fine. I'm gonna put a little bit of a circle around them, a little bit of a boundary. In my grief training, they called it bracketing, hmm. which is kind of literally like if you think about putting two brackets around certain things and kind of saying it's not that you there's anything wrong with you, but um, I'm just gonna kind of put you aside just for now and work on something else. Um, the important thing about bracketing that I was taught as well was that um, you do need to come back to it at some point. Mm. Um, you do need to, and that's where I see that open, um, open wing, that beckoning in of really, I think the more you get to know your mind, the more you start to have a sense of when something is intuition and when something is something like anxiety or depression or even just distractedness Mm -hmm. um that's kind of where I'm at with that are there any practices that work that you like to do um well I you know first of all I really love everything that you just offered there and that's a beautiful um practice from Lindsay Mack as well so have we linked to their stuff in the show notes? I did the last time I mentioned okay. them, but right. I will link again uh, okay. for this episode. Yeah. One of the things I like about about that is that it acknowledges that you're rarely coming to a reading or really anything in a state of perfect equanimity. <laughs> um, so that, you know, we we can still... Let's take tarot as a, an example of a tool for intuition, right? Mm-hmm. We can still access that tool even if we are anxious, mm-hmm. even if we are depressed, mm-hmm. even if we are maybe in grief, mm-hmm. even if whatever else may be going on that we can acknowledge it. Um, I find that my own capacity to do what you were describing ebbs and flows. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm thinking of a recent time when I was quite anxious. Um, it was, I was working with my very first funeral clients for my celebrant work. Mm-hmm. And all of that went, went fine. It was a, a really important experience. But my experience of anxiety when I feared that I wasn't going to be able to meet their expectations... Mm-hmm. was extremely intense. Mm-hmm. And it was, maybe it's worth bringing in because I think it was an example of a time when my intuition was a little haywire. Mm-hmm. There was a period of time when I was quite convinced that they did not like the work that I was doing. Mm-hmm. Once I was actually in person with them and we were working through how the ceremony was going to go together, I think it was totally fine. I don't think they were displeased. I think they made the changes that they wanted to make, and that is, in fact, the service I'm offering. Um, But the intense feeling of truly a gut feeling that they were not happy with how it was going was really very strong. Mm -hmm. I did not find that I had a good strategy for moving myself out of that cycle. Uh. I kind of had to just keep getting through it Now, I did read about it. Mm -hmm. I think I did a reading at some point to say, how's this going to go? Or what's going to help me get through this? And I did actually do some magical work around trying to have a boundary 
around, um, for instance, ensuring that if they were at all anxious about how the ceremony was going to go, that that anxiety was not transferred to you, transferred to me. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So I, I did a spell and I made a charm and I carried the charm and, and it did help, um, but it really was kind of like, it felt like a hand-to-hand knife fight with the anxiety sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> it was, I think, a good teaching experience to understand for me that even if I really feel something to be true that strongly, it's not necessarily the truth. accurate. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder if part of what has to happen is just enough of those experiences. I suspect it's a capacity that you build. And I also think it is really important i'm glad you just acknowledged that sometimes we just don't have access to it the way we normally would and if we're too activated we might just need a little bit of time before we can because you eventually did come to a more balanced um, i did intuitive view of the situation i did and it didn't take much um i think all it took was an email from the client that said yep this all looks great And immediately, you know, poof, Mm -hmm. it was gone. Um, (laughs) So there's also something there about separating one's own well-being from other people's Mm -hmm. reactions to what you're offering, which is maybe a whole other topic. Um, Oh my gosh. I've been... uh, uh, Sorry, did you want to... No, go ahead. I've just been experiencing that more recently myself with... um, Uh, I've made a decision that you know about, which is to pursue um, death work as potentially, hopefully, um, a career option. Mm -hmm. And it suddenly, I've been doing, I've actually been doing more tarot readings for clients recently than I, I had for a little bit. And having that pressure taken off the tarot as my only avenue, um, for income, it created like an openness and a flow and a, a deepening of my intuition during those particular situations that I hadn't even realized had been kind of constricted. Yeah. Um, so that's been, that was kind of eye opening for me. <laughs> yeah. Like sometimes what happens is an external circumstance changes mm-hmm. and that ameliorates the internal circumstance Mm -hmm. but I want to maybe come back around to where this intersects with death work yes yeah we wanted to talk about that today um what are your initial thoughts on that well I think there are some threads in what we've been talking about that are maybe relevant when it comes to understanding what information is an intuition and what information is is something else mm-hmm. let me float this out and see if it resonates with you mm-hmm. um, taking hospice work as an example um, sometimes if I'm with a client actually usually when I'm with a client I'm kind of consciously trying to keep all intuitions open. Mm-hmm. What I want to try to be very discerning about is understanding what may be an, an intuition that I'm accurately 
perceiving about the client, their situation, potentially maybe what they may need from me or from other caregivers in their life. Being very clear about distinguishing between that and what my own unexamined judgments or Mm -hmm. assessments may think the situation needs. Mm -hmm. And actually, I think your queen of swords is really relevant here because swords can often help with discernment. Yes. And with parsing those sorts of things. Mm -hmm. And so I guess when I'm with a client, what I'm really trying to do is just like listen very carefully and try my best to not have an immediate reaction to anything that comes in. Mm-hmm. Not in terms of not react, you know, obviously you're like carrying on an interaction with the client, but not to make any kind of, any kind of swift assessment or judgment. And sometimes that can be challenging because we may think that we've perceived something really salient in the mm-hmm. situation, but our role there is to be led by what the client is communicating that they need. Yes. And so maybe I, I want to feel like intuition is um, a huge part of it is just listening and maybe listening for a long time. Yes. And not just listening to what they're telling you, because I think where intuition can really come in is that you're absolutely right. I think we're there to understand, hopefully to um, as clearly understand as possible what the client needs but they're not often just straight out telling you yeah um I mean sometimes they are and that's wonderful but sometimes it's a more subtle kind of communication Mm -hmm. and I think you're absolutely right that when the communication is subtle it's so easy for us to come in with well-meaning but potentially off yeah just well-meaning but maybe not accurate assessments of what is going on um, about what the need really is and so yeah how do we discern um I think knowing ourselves is a really important part of all of this knowing having examined for ourselves like I know sometimes when I come in with something that maybe isn't quite intuition, it can be me going like, well, what would I want in this situation? What would I need in this situation? Yeah, that's a great point. Um, And I think that sometimes there is a commonality there that can be worked with. And sometimes it is, you know, they are a different person who might need a different thing. So... Yeah. <laughs> How do we discern? I don't know if any either of us has a very yeah. straight answer for that, but I think there is when you do tap into your intuition more and more and you build up that skill, you do start to... I don't know about you, but I can kind of feel when it when it's intuition versus when it's something else. Um, One of the signals to me is like a sense of urgency. Mm. Yeah, a sense of urgency or a sense of like, should. And 
intuition, I think, often communicates more... There's like a deepening to it, not a constricting to it. And mm. like, like when it's anxiety or when it's a judgment, it feels very tight. Ah, uh, yes. It feels like... Yeah, it feels constricted. And when it is something closer to intuition, it feels very open and relaxed and centered. That is a great observation. I love that. I was going to ask you to say more about like what you mean by deepening versus constriction, but I think that's so clear. Like you're right. That experience of anxiety is like your mind gets small. Mm -hmm. You feel really hemmed in. Mm -hmm. Whereas I think when you're having an intuition about something, even perhaps if it's an intuition about news that we would consider to be bad news, Mm -hmm. there is a certain settledness in the knowing that is different from the kind of anxiety loop of what about this and what about that. Yeah, yeah. I think that's how I've experienced it, at least when I'm, when I'm really tapped in, is that it doesn't, it doesn't feel like that. Yeah. Um, sorry, I was like, I feel like I should explain this a little bit more. And then I thought, like, you know what? No, describing a feeling for intuition kind of works. Yeah. And I bet that's going to resonate with a fair number of people. I, I think so. I think, I think it's fairly, um, maybe a universal way that yeah. we feel into that. Like, I don't know if my intuition is, is often accompanied by dread in the same way that my anxiety is. <laughs> no, I don't think mine is either. I think even if it's telling me, you know, warning me about something or, um, often maybe telling me something I don't really want to know. Mm-hmm. There's still that. It's not like, it's not like it catastrophizes. It's not like, it's just like, Hey, you know, maybe don't do this. Yeah. Maybe avoid this. Um, is it your experience that there's often a kind of heightened intuition around death and dying and end of life? I think so. I think so. Um, one thing that you and I have discussed um, is how present one is, mm-hmm. or, or hopefully one is, when doing when around death and dying, when doing death care. It kind of requires you to be very, very in the moment, and I think that opens up channels. I think there's also something about the energy of being on that threshold of Mm -hmm. being in that in-between space that just like practically, I think there's the presence that opens up the channels. And I think there's also just, there is a, there is a spiritual energy to that space. Yes, there is. Mm -hmm. That's something that maybe I, you know, that maybe we want to chat about a little bit more when Mm -hmm. it comes to intuition and and being with people who are dying Mm -hmm. one of the really compelling aspects of doing this kind of work is that there a a spiritual dimension to it seems almost unavoidable Mm -hmm. and some of the most interesting reading I've done in this area and you know have have very occasionally kind of witnessed something in this in this 
area, but um, sometimes people have quite remarkable spiritual or mystical experiences as they approach death. Mm-hmm. And it's maybe an aspect of intuition to cultivate if you're if you are in that space, if you're in that space with someone you know or someone you love. Mm-hmm. I think there's a way that practicing an openness to that kind of experience can make that experience more meaningful or connective or even just smoother mm-hmm. both for you and for the and for the dying person i think so i think cultivating intuition whatever that ends up meaning to you whether it's more a mundane sense of it or more of a spiritual sense of it or somewhere in between yeah um, I think is maybe like a necessary part of doing that work. Yeah, that's a great yes. Okay, like I, I feel very. <laughs> I know uh, it's hard to say like you you have to do this, <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's been it's interesting. I've been um, I will be doing death doula or end of life doula training in about two weeks. Huh, so exciting. Um, and in preparation, I've been reading a book called Peace at the End of Life by Henry Fursco Weiss. And I, I'm not too far into this book, so I'll, I'll pull at you and be like, I'm Great. not done with it yet. Love it. <laughs> but <laughs> it seems to me, from his philosophy anyway, and I, and I align with it, it seems, it's the work that I kind of want to be delving deeper into. But his philosophy is really about the role of the doula being helping the client to make meaning mm-hmm. during that last period of their life um, as they're approaching death. And that meaning cannot help but be spiritual, whatever spiritual means to that person. Yeah. And I think we've said this before, but it doesn't necessarily have to mean that you believe in um, anything in particular. Um, but spiritual in the sense of our spirit, our spirit and our connectedness to the spirits around us, whether that's physical people or, um, this planet, uh, all of its beings. So connectedness, I think is maybe this kind of spirituality that I'm talking about. Anyway, um, the role of the doula being about making meaning. And the more I get into this and the more I'm reading about examples that he gives, um, he's been a death doula since the early 2000s, Has was a hospice volunteer and a hospice uh, social worker before that mm-hmm. as well. So years and years and years of experience yeah. with this particular kind of thing. And all of the examples he gives, it's an intuitive process. Yeah. It's not like... Um, it's intuitive for the person who's doing this work. It's intuitive for the doula or potentially even friend or family member who's helping to can holding a container for them to do mm-hmm. the work. Um, yeah, it, it, it's all intuitive. It's not, um, there's, it, there's something that you just can't logic your way through. And yeah. Yeah, that that that's really struck me as I've been doing this reading and as I've been preparing to take this course. 
That's a really wonderful way of putting it. And it connects kind of back to what we were talking about earlier, where it's, it's something you know without having reasoned about it. Mm-hmm. And I really am on board with what you're saying that when we're in that space, reason is perhaps a less useful function when it comes to mm-hmm. discerning what the dying person and their family may need and what we can offer. Mm-hmm. And so that is something that I have always found really interesting in this, in this area of work. Um, I was just this morning reading one of my favorite books about death and dying. <laughs> it's my favorite death books. Ooh, um, do tell. It's called Final Gifts. Okay. And it is a, a book written by two, uh, I believe, palliative care nurses. Mm-hmm. Um, who were, you know, connected with palliative care Mm -hmm. centers in in various places. And the book is really just about what kinds of experiences people who are dying have Mm -hmm. and what kinds of experiences their their family or their people might expect as this time is, is coming. And a central theme of that book also is that those who are around the dying person... It, it behooves them to cultivate a, an openness to the kinds of experiences and communications mm-hmm. that the dying person is is having and sharing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we talked about this a little bit in the psychopomps episode, but yeah, um, it is really not uncommon for for people to experience having someone else in the room with them. Mm-hmm. You know, someone who has died, someone who died years ago or recently and actually one of the stories in the book I read this morning you know there's they wrote about a couple of instances in which someone they were caring for said oh you know my husband was here Mm -hmm. who you know died years ago Mm -hmm. and my sister Mm -hmm. um and it would you know it turned out that the sister who lived continents away had actually died recently and the family had chosen not to tell this this patient that that her sister had died, but the sister appeared to her. Mm-hmm. And then they, because she had observed this, they chose to let her know. And then she said, well, that's okay. You know, she's waiting for me. Mm-hmm. People have experience of, of being met by loved ones mm-hmm. or by guides or by um, religious figures or, and um, per, per anyway, the, the observances of these nurses and this seems true to me too like the most compassionate thing we can do is just affirm those experiences yes yeah i think whatever our own beliefs might be yeah um, it feels very important to me that one not try to dissuade them or yeah um yeah to take it seriously and to hold space for it and to be open to that also as a, a way, perhaps, that the dying person is communicating with you. Yes. If you hear that and say, she must be hallucinating because she's on so many medications, mm-hmm. it's not impossible. Mm-hmm. Sometimes medication can cause that kind of difference in perception. Mm-hmm. But it may also be that this that your that your person is trying to tell you, I'm going to be okay. Someone's mm-hmm. going to be here to meet me. 
they may be sharing with you something that's important to them for you to know mm -hmm. because they care about you. Mm -hmm. And they may be trying to share with you a perspective that perhaps that they're not afraid, you know, to, mm -hmm. to minimize your suffering. Yeah. Um, yeah. And if you, if it, if it lands on, on a mind that's pretty certain that that's a drug induced hallucination, then the connectiveness that you were talking about earlier can't necessarily happen or it's more challenging for it to happen very much so and again we come back to that logic versus intuition and how intuition yeah. in this particular situation is much more useful because logically yes our brain might go to that place of well it's the drugs or um, even the progression of the disease itself mm -hmm. um, but our intuitive part of us will hear what what is really trying to be communicated there yeah and to listen to the intuitive knowledge rather than the rational knowledge in that case actually leads to a better outcome for everybody. Mm -hmm. um, not that like being outcome oriented is, is how either of us works, but no. <laughs> um, sometimes in order to die peacefully, people really need to communicate what it is that they're actually experiencing and what they're actually experiencing is often not in alignment with mm -hmm. current capacities of science, you know, of scientific knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they are really having that experience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not trying to say there really are for sure dead people there to visit them no, because I, I don't know, mm -hmm. but they are really experiencing that that's what's happening. Yes. Yeah. No, I, I yeah, understood I that that was your meaning. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that I think, I think we've talked about this before, how often, often when you're in the thick of it, it can feel very mundane, but I think that capacity for a different kind of space, a more, I'll say spiritual, I'll say liminal, Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think that's what draws both of us to this particular kind of, well, one of the things that draws both of us to this particular kind of work is there's a potency there. Yeah, great word. A potency for potentially mystical experiences, but potentially also meaningful experiences yeah. for everyone involved. Yes. Um, in, in that kind of space where all that really matters, well, I'm sure a few different things matter, but what am I trying to say? All that really matters when, I mean, life is ending is, yeah, that connectivity that I was talking about, whether it's the dying person connecting to themselves, to their family or whoever happens to be around them, whether that's real family, chosen family, friends, mm -hmm. any, any of that. Um, and also the, the hospice volunteer or the doula or whoever it happens to be. Um, the personal support worker. The personal support that worker. That can be then, a really meaningful yeah, relationship. Yeah, that can be hugely... Uh, nurses. Absolutely. Yeah. Even potentially the people who are doing the more medical side of yeah. things. If they're, open to, if they're open to this kind of different reality that yeah. 
Is that what I'm trying to say? I like that way of putting it. Mm-hmm. Where it's just different things matter than, you know, when you think you have your whole life ahead of you. Um, think. Yeah. Because <laughs> we never know. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, you're right to say think. We, mm-hmm. we don't ever know. Mm-hmm. Um, different reality is such a great way of phrasing that mm-hmm. because it's true. <laughs> different things are real mm-hmm. in that space and... We're both struggling to talk about it in a way that doesn't include words like spiritual, mm-hmm. sacred, mm-hmm. mystical. Um, and maybe we shouldn't be. Yeah, and I, I think you're right. I think actually yeah. it's really, really hard to to talk about this territory without inviting those kinds of experiences in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's an aspect maybe of this work that's important to us is trying to find ways of um I, I i'm interested in how we can invite people to be open to mm-hmm. these kinds of less rational but mm-hmm. still very real mm-hmm. experiences and processes that are happening around this time i think yes it's tricky because you don't want to bring your own particular beliefs into that exactly, space yeah. to shape how you think that someone should experience something but I think when you said sacred that really resonated with me that it is a particularly sacred time and I'm also interested in how to invite that sacredness in in a way that makes sense for the clients yeah yeah okay yeah and like there's not one answer to that and that's so that's part of what you're using your intuition for is Mm -hmm. to to try and just always be open to what kind of reality the client is experiencing Mm mm-hmm and to whether they want to share anything of that with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They may, they may not. Yeah, yeah. I think that's I think that's part of what I love being a hospice volunteer mm-hmm. and I will con- continue to be a hospice volunteer. But I think that's part of what's drawing me to doula work specifically mm-hmm. is that you can go a little bit deeper there. Um, you're almost kind of there for that. Mm-hmm meaning making sacred legacy leaving time um specifically to sort of help hold a container for that yeah um when you're a hospice volunteer it's a little bit different that can be an aspect of it but often it isn't yeah it often isn't it's true um often it is um and don't get me wrong it's beautiful wonderful work that i love and will continue to be doing Um, but there's a little bit more of a boundary around what you can offer in Mm -hmm. that particular space. And I think that's, what's drawing me deeper into the work is, um, wanting to really witness and maybe even help guide during Mm -hmm. that time. And I say that with hesitation, but, um, yeah, anyway, I'll keep you posted on yeah, that. Yeah, no, goes. I'm so excited to, you know, 
hear anything that you are interested in sharing about that process as it unfolds and as you go through yeah as you go through that training because I think that is going to be like very very rich mm-hmm. material um I am really looking forward to I realized probably by the time we record the next episode I will be done with the training wow. part of it so I will oh be happy gosh. to share yes I can't wait there. I can't wait um, I looked when I got home, we had chatted about the author that you're reading for your class. Mm-hmm. And I do indeed have one of his books about oh, wonderful. caring for the dying. Uh, it might actually just be called caring for the dying actually. Okay. Um, and one of the practices he writes about in that book is actually guiding someone on a, on a guided journey. Yes. He writes about that in, um, in the book I've been reading as well. Yeah. And it can be a really powerful and healing experience if someone is open to it and if they wish mm-hmm. to engage in that way. Um, mm-hmm. And that's where, I want to be really careful about this, but I think we both feel that, I want to make sure I say that you absolutely do not have to be a witch to do this <laughs> kind of thing, but I think there are witchy tools that we have that can be brought into this space and be very useful because that's journeying. Yeah, it is journeying. <laughs> and we both practice that. And yes. we, in theory, have the tools where we could help guide someone through that as well. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, you don't you don't have to be a witch, but it helps. <laughs> I think it does. I, I really do think it does. Yeah. Um, I am kind of curious about the card that you brought today. Yeah, maybe it's a good time to bring that card in. Um, I'm also curious about this card. <laughs> <laughs> Did you pull it from the deck? No, I I chose it this oh, time you chose around. It. Okay. Um, in part because this card I have always found a little bit challenging to get into, and I also sometimes find, as we've observed, mm-hmm. figuring out exactly what intuition is. Mm -hmm. a little bit challenging to get into. So the card I have chosen is Temperance. Mm -hmm. It's uh, one of the major arcana. It's number 14. And I have the card from the Smith Rider Waite deck Mm -hmm. with me today because there are aspects of this imagery that I think are are very resonant. And so I I just opted to go with the OG (laughs) um, rather than a a reinterpretation of it. this card, uh, in this deck, the figure in the card is an angel, mm-hmm. a winged a winged person. They have one foot in a pool of water and one foot on land, mm-hmm. and they are pouring water from one goblet into another goblet. Okay. They're pouring from their left hand into their right hand, and behind them, the sun is either rising or setting behind some mountains to which a path is leading off in the distance. So this is the really traditional imagery for this card. Um, and I have always found this card a little bit challenging. I don't know how you feel about temperance. Sometimes it clicks with me. Sometimes I also find it really challenging. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes when this card comes up, I, I look at it and I'm like, oh, yes, obviously. And sometimes when this card comes up, I'm like, what am I looking at? Yeah. And in some ways, that's the experience of intuition. <laughs> so I wanted to bring this card. Um, there are... There are symbolic resonances here that, for me, connect with this topic. To deal with the figure in the card first, an image of an angel is not going to resonate with everybody. Mm-hmm. I have to concede that, that an angel is not a kind of 
spiritual being that particularly resonates with me. Me neither. It is it is very Judeo-Christian. So I do want to acknowledge that that this this particular imagery may not connect with everybody. Mm-hmm. But part of what is compelling to me about this card is that all of the elements kind of have a representation. Mm-hmm. There are the wings of the of the angel for air. The sun is behind this figure for fire. Mm-hmm. They have one foot on the earth and they have one foot in water. And it's mm-hmm. that aspect of this very watery aspect of this card that feels pertinent to intuition for yeah. me. What I like about it with respect to intuition is the sense of balance. I do think of intuition, if it has an associated element, it's probably water. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you mentioned you chose the Queen of Cups the first time we talked about this topic. I think I also brought cups the first time we talked about this topic. We had three cards, if I remember correctly, and they were all cups. And they were all cups. Yeah, it was yeah. very, very watery. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the episode that got chewed up by the uh, <laughs> by the computer <laughs> spirits. So mm-hmm. sadly, we can't we can't recover that one. But um, I did feel like I couldn't bring an intuition card without there being some kind of water. Mm-hmm. What I like about this is that this being has one foot in the water. They also have one foot on the land. Okay. So, and there is a sense of the, uh, the knowledge and awareness of intuition being tempered by a more, perhaps a more sensory knowledge Mm-hmm. And of the more sensory knowledge being tempered by the presence of the intuitive knowledge. Ooh, love it. Even the word temperance has so many different meanings, doesn't it? It does. We can say that it, you know, like I just used it to mean that it sort of mitigates the qualities of one thing with the qualities of another thing. But it can also refer to um, a process of strengthening. If, you temper steel. Yeah, yeah, you temper steel. And I believe, I am not a blacksmith, sadly, but I believe that one of the processes involved for tempering steel is to heat it and then put it into water. I believe you were right, uh, but um, also I don't know how to... Blacksmiths, please write to us yes. and tell us how, <laughs> how one tempers, how one tempers um, uh, steel. But that is also a very transformational and, and um, magical process yes so this i i felt that this card contained both the process of discerning by intuition and also maybe the some of the necessary checks that we've been talking about Mm -hmm. when it comes to examining what information one is receiving through intuition and tempering that with awareness of what may be coming from our own assumptions Mm -hmm. what may be coming from our own anxieties or our own fears Mm -hmm. the ability to be kind of in in between states with one foot grounded on the solid earth and then one foot in this much more watery realm so this is that is why I brought this card. <laughs> I loved absolutely everything you just said here, um, but it's a challenging card. It is. I find this card a little bit uh, mysterious it sometimes. Is. So I yeah. thought I I'd bring I'd bring it and mm-hmm. um, see what it wanted to offer mm-hmm. on this topic. I think that's really. I think you gave us a really rich interpretation of what temperance can offer in terms of intuition. I also just have this, I'd, 
I'm going off the cuff here. I don't even fully... I'm getting some kind of hit. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting that I today brought The Hanged Man. Mm. And in the order of the Major Arcana, if you're going in order of the numbers, we have two cards bracketing death. Oh, how about that? Yeah, because the Hanged Man comes just before death and Temperance comes just after it. Hmm. Hmm. What does that mean to me? (laughs) (laughs) It is an interesting observation. It is. I feel like there's something there. My intuition just is a little bit quiet at the moment. (laughs) But, well, maybe, can I start by asking you why you brought the hanged man? Yeah. That leads us there. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I asked the deck um, for a more general card about intuition, which was the Queen of Swords. And then I asked specifically about intuition and death work. And Mm. I actually pulled the Ace of Cups first. And then I wasn't quite sure, so I pulled a second clarifier card and I got the Hanged Man. And it's interesting that you were mentioning that Temperance has all of the elements um, represented there because the Ace of Cups in this particular deck does as well. Hmm. Um, You'll notice there's the water, obviously, in the cup. um, But there's also a sun right yeah. behind there, which I hadn't really paid much attention to before. There are clouds, kind of, and that makes me think of air, and then there's obviously, the, I mean, the cup itself is a vessel of earth, that's yeah. something to hold the water. The aces, to me, are portals, and the ace of cups specifically is a portal into the heart, into a deeper journey. I, I always think of them as the start of the journey and mm. they open the portal and we decide whether we want to step through it or not. And I'm thinking of what we've already discussed about death work being a portal into a different kind of reality um, or the time around death being a portal into a different kind yeah. of reality that we are all invited to step through where the hanged man comes into this or the hanged one is the willingness to be in the discomfort of it all yeah um i think if we are not willing to fully acknowledge how uncomfortable this situation is for us and very very likely for everyone else involved in it that's when we might start to not be able to hear our intuition because we are not opening fully to the experience and we are not getting all the information that we need. Um, The other thing that's interesting about this particular depiction of the hanged man in the crow tarot is that this crow is hanging above a field of poppies. Mm -hmm. And poppies, um, I was looking this up and it made a lot of sense to me. They're associated with death. Mm-hmm. They're associated with dreams. Mm-hmm. They're associated with the imagination. Um, sometimes sacrifice, even, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. which um, feels like an important thing in there too. And so, when I think of the hanged man, I think of, you know, hanging upside down in an uncomfortable position, so that we can reach a certain kind of clarity that only a shifted perspective can offer us I'm seeing that shifted perspective that we're talking about being in this card represented by the poppies where we're going into where we've acknowledged that 
the space around death is a different kind of reality and I think t to fully engage with it we need to also alter the way that we think we need to also be open to yeah we, we we've sort of touched on all of this but yeah we need to be open to a different way of perceiving what is going on one that is maybe more symbolic maybe more mythic almost yeah great word um one that yeah rationality i think logic they're beautiful they have a place in everything but i don't think they're the tools for the job yeah in this particular situation so yeah still haven't fully answered why i think it's uh what i think's going on with this bracketing of death but i think i think what's really interesting is that we just death itself is always going to be the unknown and we can prepare for it in the hanged man and we can start to find the balance in the aftermath with temperance but death is the ultimate mystery mm -hmm. it's not represented here because we can't really represent it because we don't know what it is so all we can do is find whatever meaning we can around it and surrender the rest of it yeah i think it's very fascinating that we've we've picked the cards that bracket that card mm -hmm. one thing that popped into my mind as you were talking about the hanged man is um you know when when something when something very sudden or traumatic or you know if a death enters a family or or death death comes into the picture mm -hmm. um sometimes you'll hear someone say something like my world was turned upside down mm -hmm. it's such a powerful metaphor for that feeling of suddenly everything not being as it was and yes. so i think that hanged man hanged one card is such a wonderful suggestion even yeah. Can are you able to if your world has turned upside down are you able to even in glimpses to take in that altered perspective that that experience can afford you. Mhm. Mm um it is going to be horribly uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And there's an aspect in that card also of kind of waiting being yes. in limbo, which is an experience that a lot of people can have around death, mm -hmm. their own or someone else's. Mm -hmm. And you're just kind of, you're right. Like there's, there's an aspect of things that are outside of our control and we're in this in-between place and it's, it can be very still and strange. And it probably is a bit like being in a dream world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm remembering the uh, the passing of my grandmother and how so she went into basically a coma for, well, I can't remember, I think she was in hospital for about four days, four or five days, 
and we were all there as much as we could be. Um, we went home to sleep, of course, and then we would come back, and that room didn't feel like reality. Like, I have very distinct memories of it. I mean, my memory is terrible generally, especially around certain traumas, but um, I, I remember everything very clearly, like almost hyper clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it just didn't feel like the rest of the world. It felt like this can, this altered outside place that waiting thing and and I mean I was lucky we weren't waiting for all that long some mm-hmm. people wait a lot longer but I think that's where the ace of or I come back to the ace of cups though where one thing that I won't get into any kind of detail but one thing that I've learned from my current client is just how alive that time can be mm-hmm. um, there can still be goals there can still be creativity. There can still be, um, yeah, just weirdly, it's not life and it is life at the same time. So I think one thing that we're really, really privileged to get to witness and maybe even sometimes facilitate is both to hold space for that hanged man energy, but also to hold space for the Ace of Cups energy of rejuvenation of 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 a cup being refilled even at a time when we kind of think oh well they're just you know waiting around to die now yeah my own experience with my clients has been that no one has been waiting around to die exactly i have heard that from people who are not dying Mm -hmm. and that's their perception of what it means when someone begins to receive palliative care Mm -hmm. and that is a perception that I would like to to dissuade as much as we can because Mm -hmm. you're right um you know the 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 ace of cups that cup running over Mm -hmm. is actually very reflective of Mm -hmm. of some ways that I have witnessed people being as they approach death yeah some people are filled with gratitude Mm -hmm. small um uh, I'm going to use the word blessings, even though it's a challenging one. Small mm-hmm. blessings are full of of meaning and beauty. Mm-hmm. A sunny day is is a, a gift of wonder sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, not always. I don't want to imply that everyone is in a state of perfect bliss. You know, sometimes people struggle. They're in pain. They're yeah. sad. They're grieving. Um yeah. And often there's some measure of both of those things yeah, coming in there. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. But um, but I've never um, I've ne- I have not yet in my, the course of my work as a hospice volunteer worked with someone who was just waiting to die. Mm-hmm. They were dying. That mm-hmm. was a process they were engaged in. Yep. Um, but they were also uh, very much living. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's so odd that it can be both. I think maybe that's part of what's going back and forth between those two cups in temperance. Yeah, I didn't talk about the going back and forth between the two cups because I wasn't quite sure what to say about it, but I love that. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I have anything deeper than that, but I think there's something there too. Yeah, I think so. Mm -hmm. A sense of finding balance and of moving from one kind of container to another. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I think there's something about alchemy there too. Mm-hmm. Um, how we have the capacity to take an experience that we all f- fear so deeply and that no one wants to find themselves in and that could be a time of despair and pain and grief and I mean those things might also be there but yeah we we have the capacity given the right supports to have a wonderful meaningful end of life yeah and that's part of what hospice care and and death doula work is Trying is meant to, is yeah. trying to facilitate yeah mm-hmm. to create the conditions for people to have these experiences of meaning mm-hmm. and of connectivity mm-hmm. yeah on that note it feels like a good place to wrap maybe up. that's a good you? place to wrap up yeah. yeah yeah and i think i think given that i would also we've said this before in the episode that uh, we did on hospice care specific on our experiences with hospice care specifically but if you feel an interest in this kind of work, it's really needed. It is needed. And I, I, I only say this because I, <laughs> going through our um, analytics the other day, I, rec- I, I just happened to notice that that particular episode had a lot more hits than some of the other hmm. ones. And so that tells me that this is something that people have an interest in whether I mean it did it, it, and if you don't that's totally fine if you but if you do send us an email yeah because we think that it's a wonderful enriching part of our lives and yeah that that yeah it's something that we can do for each other that is necessary mm-hmm it is necessary. Yeah, I, I, I second that. If it's something that you've thought about or that you're curious about, um, you know, at least as of right now, like we're, you know, I'm, I'm really happy to be a resource if you have questions about what it's like or mm-hmm. anything like that because this work is needed and we'd like to create a situation where everyone has access to the supports they need mm-hmm. to be able to find and make meaning at that mm-hmm. really unusual time of life. Yeah, yeah. I think both of us believe that there is such a thing as, this isn't the perfect word for it, but a good death. I think that's as good a word as any. Yeah. And I, I see that... I see that framing used in, in kind of death positive spaces as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, how would we put that? Good death? Meaningful death? I don't know. Maybe good death isn't a bad word yeah. for it. I, I, I just I hesitate with good because it feels like a value judgment. But um, yeah, maybe that's an okay word. It's maybe an okay word. Mm-hmm. Like we're talking about a death where... People aren't experiencing pain, mm-hmm. and they have the opportunity to <clears throat> attend to loose ends mm-hmm. and to have meaning and connection with people that they love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. 
I think it's possible for a lot more of us than are receiving that these yeah. days. I think that's true. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, thank you so much for listening. And we will see you on the next... Well, not see you. <laughs> <laughs> we will connect again on the next dark moon. We will indeed connect again on the next dark moon. Okay. All right. Uh, be well, everyone. Take care. <laughs>